very much. I have a short story and a little bit longer story for you. Here's the short one. Once upon a time, there was a king who ruled over a large kingdom in which he, loved and he was loved and respected by his subjects. He was loved and respected for his wisdom, for his compassion, for his patience, and for the tolerance he extended to all of them. However, the king was a troubled man, for in one of his villages, the water in the well had become poisoned, and all the villagers who drank from it on a daily basis had gone mad. One day, while trying to think of a solution as to how to deal with this problem, he was approached by his court jester who said, I have an idea. Why don't we go down to the village, drink from the well, and then we'll be just the same as the rest of them? (laughs) And so they did. And although he did not know it, the king lost his kingdom, his power, and his ability to make the world a better place. The moral of the story Don't drink the Kool-Aid. Story number two. This is called How Coyote Came by His Powers. The Great Spirit called all his people together from all over the earth. There was to be a change. He would give names to the people and the animal world was to rule. The naming was to begin at the break of day, each one having the right to choose his or her name according to who came first to the spirit chief's lodge. The spirit chief would also give each one their duty to be performed in the changing conditions. It was the night before the new world. Excitement was among the people. Each one desired a great name of note. All wished to be awake and first at the lodge of the great spirit chief. Everyone wanted power to rule some tribe, some kingdom of the animal world. Coyote was of a degraded nature, a vulgar kind of life. He was an imitator of everything that he saw or heard, and when he asked a question or he asked for information and it was given to him, he would always say, I already knew that. That was Coyote's way, and he was hated by the people for the way he was. Nobody liked him. He boasted too much about his wisdom, about everything. Coyote went among the anxious people, bragging to everyone about how early he was going to rise, how he would be the first one at the spirit chief's lodge. He bragged of the great name he would choose. He said, I will have three big names to select from. There is Grizzly Bear, who will be ruler over all running four-footed animals, Eagle, who will lead all the flying birds, or salmon, who will be chief over all the fish of every kind. Coyote's twin brother, who took the name Fox, said to him, Do not be too sure. Maybe no one will be given their choice of name. Maybe you will have to retain your own name, Coyote. No one else among the tribes will want to take it. Coyote went to his teepee in anger. He was determined not to sleep that night. He would remain awake so as to be the first to the spirit chief's lodge for the name he wanted. Coyote's wife, afterward called Mole, sat on her feet at the side of the door. She looked up at Coyote and said in a disappointed tone, Have you no food for the children? They are starving and I can find no roots to dig. Eha, grunted sarcastically the coyote. He answered his wife, I am no common person to be spoken of in this fashion. 
Do you not know that I am to be a great chief at daybreak tomorrow? I shall be grizzly bear. I will devour my enemies with ease. Coyote ordered his wife to gather plenty of wood for the teepee fire, where he would sit without sleep all night. Half of the night passed. Coyote grew sleepy, and despite his best efforts, his eyes eventually closed. He was awakened by his wife, Mole, when she returned from the spirit chief's lodge, when the sun was high in the morning sky. Coyote jumped up from where he lay. He hurried to the lodge of the spirit chief. No one was there, and Coyote thought he was first. So he spoke loudly, I am going to be the grizzly bear. The chief answered, grizzly bear was taken at daybreak. Coyote said, then I shall be called eagle. The chief answered, Coyote, eagle has chosen his name. He flew away a long time ago. Coyote then said, I think that I will be called salmon. The spirit chief informed Coyote, salmon has also been taken. All the names have been used except your own, Coyote. No one wishes to steal your name from you. Poor Coyote's knees grew weak. He sank down by the fire in that great teepee. The heart of the spirit chief was touched when he saw the lowered head of Coyote, the mischief maker. After a silence, the chief spoke. You are Coyote. You are the fool who is hated among all the tribes, among all the people, yet I have chosen you from among all others to make you sleep, to go to the land of dreams and visions. I make a purpose for you, a big work for you to do before another change comes to the people. You are to be the father of all the tribes for all the new kind of people who are to come. You will be known as the trickster. You will have power to change yourself into anything, any object you wish when in danger or distress. There are man-eating monsters on the earth who are destroying the people. The tribes cannot increase, and they can't grow as I wish. These monsters must all be vanquished before the new people come. This is your work to do. I give you power to kill the monsters. I have given your twin brother, Fox, power to help you, to restore you to life should you be killed. Your bones may be scattered, but if there is one hair left on your body, Fox can bring you back to life. Now go. Begin the work laid out for your trail. Do good for the benefit of the people. Thus, Coyote of the animal people was sent about the earth to fight and destroy the people devouring monsters. There's great symbology in this story. I like the first one because really, truly, how many of us have drank, and have, have drank the Kool-Aid, right? How much of our time... Do we look around and go, well, everybody else is doing that. Everybody else is complaining about whatever it is everybody else is complaining about. Everybody else says this is true. And we get involved, don't we? We get involved in the story. Sometimes the story is gossip. And we get involved in the gossip because the more people that are saying it, the more we believe it must be the truth. Our Hopi teacher used to tell Mark and I that gossip was the one thing that would kill people and community because it's very hard to stop. So what Kool-Aid are you drinking? 
Where have you drunk the water of somebody else's madness? It's a good question. I like the story about coyote because the symbology in that story invites us to look at ourselves and to question what are the people-eating monsters that we face? And we have them, don't we? We see people fall day to day to day because of the monsters that they have placed in their lives, what they've given power to. Coyote's job is to take away the power, to even the playing field, to move the monsters out of your life so that you can get on. Coyote is the trickster. And that same teacher used to tell Mark and I that Coyote was the wisest of them all because in order to trick somebody, you had to know the truth. And that's what humor is about, isn't it? Humor is about looking at the truth in a different way. Looking at the truth through accepting and loving eyes. And it's very interesting. In our society, we have jesters. We have tricksters. We call them comedians. We have them in our families. We have somebody in our family who has permission to say things nobody else could get away with. Right? And we pay... Somebody's tapping my husband back there. It's true. It's absolutely true. We have... People in society, we pay money so we can go see them, so they will tell us the truth so we can laugh at ourselves, so we can actually laugh about the craziness of the world that we live in and the way we are and the condition called being human. And we give these people permission, permission to speak to us about our our stereotypes, permission to speak to us about our strange habits, permission to put in front of us the things that we all run from. We run from them because we're embarrassed. Because somewhere in our life, someone laughed at us and not with us. I think it's probably safe to say, in this room, there's not a single person who has not at some point felt embarrassed or hurt by how someone laughed at them at some point in their young or middle or grown life. At some point, we all have that experience of being the butt of a joke, of being made to feel less in order for someone else to feel more. And we will do anything to keep ourselves from feeling that way. We'll laugh when it's not funny rather than speak up and say it's not. We'll even laugh at someone else's expense when it's really not funny to us rather than feel embarrassed. We're very interesting creatures that way. It hurts to have who we are questioned, to have who we are made fun of. And so as a result, we don't laugh very much at ourselves. We don't take ourselves very lightly. In fact, We make sure we do everything right because we wouldn't want anyone to tell a story about us that was unflattering. So we're careful what we say and we're careful what we do and we're careful when it comes to admitting that we all do crazy things. How different would it be if that were not the case? 
How different would it be if we could laugh with one another at the craziness of life? How different would it be if we didn't care what anybody else thought about us? I got news for you. Somebody thinks something ugly. Somebody. About every one of us. Somebody has judgment about every one of us. So we either get to live our life worrying about somebody else's judgment or we get to let it go and live our life and be who we are and have some fun and play and laugh at the silly things that happen. I listed a couple this morning, a couple of things that just happen. At least they happen in my life. Maybe they don't happen in yours. So I'll ask you, how many of you, when someone says something to you, ask what? Even when you know exactly what they said. (laughs) Right? Okay. Here's the other half of that question. How many of you smile and nod at somebody when you haven't got a clue what they just said? (laughs) Right? What kind of crazy is that? How do we communicate that way? Okay, this is, this is for those of you that do as much email as me. How many of you write something to send out to somebody, read it six or seven times to make sure it says what you want, push send, and then go back and read it again as though you could change something you wrote? Yes. How many of you have had that experience where somebody throws something your way and you magically catch it midair? No? Oh my gosh. How many of you have had that happen, feel like a ninja? Yes. Yes. I'm a ninja. I'm really good at that. Thank goodness, because I got boys and that'd be bad. Okay. This could happen sleeping on your bed. This could happen laying on your bed. This could happen on your couch, pretty much any place, in your lawn chair, any place you relax. How many of you have been reading something on Facebook and hit yourself in the face with the phone? Yes? (laughs) That's so funny. I always think somebody ought to be there to see that when it happens. Okay, how many of you are afraid to close your eyes in the shower because you're afraid if you open them up, that guy from Psycho is going to be there. (laughs) The rest of you ought to be more prepared. (laughs) Okay. How many of you have walked through the grocery store or into the elevator and suddenly realized you must have gotten old because your favorite song is playing. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember my mom singing at the top of her lungs as we went through the grocery store and thinking, I'm never going to do that. And now I catch myself (laughs) because it's my music. There are lots of things that we do. Lots of things that happen. You all have stories. You know, we all do funny things. I was telling the nine o'clock service. Sometimes we have our own little idiosyncrasies. I noticed myself doing something yesterday. I was looking out the window at our house and I have a tendency to look out the front. Neil, Mark will tell you, it's funny because I kneel backwards so that I can look out the window uh, sitting on the couch of our 
of our house and just watch whatever's happening and it's raining. And so I caught myself watching raindrops fall and remembered when I was a little kid, I used to pick two and figure out which one was going to win the race. You know, and they went, like, we all do funny things, don't we? We all do funny things. Think about when it's, when it's, it's that day after you've left the planet. You're gone. Maybe you're hovering up here watching what happens. What do you want your family to say about you? I want my family to say, she had a great sense of humor. You know, she laughed about things. She made light of things. It was fun to be around her. We always invite the fun people to the party, right? I want them to, to know that life is not so seriously. I was, I was thinking about this craziness of hair, and I told my son yesterday that, you know, the goodness of having curly hair is that every morning when you get up and you look in the mirror, you realize you truly cannot control everything. (laughs) The curly hair girls are all like, yes, it's true. It's true. I, I want my family and my friends to learn something from me about not being so particular about being seen. This job makes you be seen. If you can't be laughed at, you can't do this job. You can't stand in front of people and allow people to laugh if you're going to get hurt every time. It's important to be able to laugh at yourself. It's important to be able to get other people to laugh. It's important that as we look at our stories, which is really what we've been doing, that as we look at our stories and we identify the monsters in our life, and we all have them, that we recognize that humor is the one thing that can defeat the monsters. If you are laughing with someone, they can't laugh at you. If you are laughing at something that's happening, your frequency will be higher. You will have a different ability to come up with a solution. Embarrassment and laughter have two entirely different impacts on who we are. When we're telling our life story and the things that have happened, nobody has to understand the punchline except us. I tell Mark all the time, I'm glad you think that's funny. He, you know, he amuses himself better than anybody else. It's okay to do that. We get to amuse ourselves. When we're looking at the stories that we tell, we get to look through the eyes of joy and fun and laughter and lightness. We get to have a, a different approach to what have been the most difficult times in our life. So I want to encourage you to look this week. That's your homework. Your homework is to look this week at what is funny about your life story. What can you laugh at? What kind of interesting little nuances are there about who you are? If somebody says to you, what was your most embarrassing moment? That's a good place to start with laughter. What happened that embarrassed you so badly that you can't laugh? What happened? What would happen if you let yourself step into it to see the humor other people saw? How would that change the experience for you? 
So your assignment this week, should you choose to accept it, is to laugh at yourself, to see the funny things that you do, to allow life to be a little lighter, and to know that whatever happened, it's done. You can laugh at it now. It's never happening again. It's finished. And if that doesn't work, I have a couple of other, just two suggestions for what you might do. If you really have trouble getting yourself to laugh, the first one is, Next time you go by the grocery store, not when you need groceries, I want you to pull in, get out of the car, run into the front doors and yell, what year is it? (laughs) And when somebody tells you, I want you to go, yes, I made it, and then run right back out. That will make you laugh, and it's a great story to tell your grandchildren. (laughs) Okay, or there's one other thing you could do. This takes a little bit more practice, but if you really want to laugh, you could use this several times. I want you to go out and buy a parrot. (laughs) Buy a parrot, and I want to stop laughing. I haven't told you the punchline yet, dear. (laughs) But you go buy a parrot, and I want you to teach it to say this. Help! I've been turned into a parrot. (laughs) Then take it with you everywhere you go and see what happens. (laughs) You get to decide which of your sacred cows you're going to turn into delicious hamburgers. Okay? What is the sacred cow you can never laugh at? What is it in your life that you won't let yourself see lightly? Look for that this week. Find it. Find what makes you laugh and laugh more. It will chase away the monsters and heal your life. I have some quotes for you. Og Mandingo said, laugh at yourself and at life, not in the spirit of derision or whining self-pity, but as a remedy, a miracle drug that will ease your pain, cure your depression, and help you to put into perspective that seemingly terrible defeat. Never take yourself too seriously. Barry Humphrey said, never be afraid to laugh at yourself. After all, you could be missing out on the joke of the century. Bud Harris said, it takes more than just awareness for us to change. It takes courage and humility and the willingness to occasionally feel like fools and laugh at ourselves. And Mark Twain said this, the human race has only one really effective weapon, and that is laughter. 